0: God, I pray that as the word is preached now, uh, Father, that your spirit will open our eyes to the word, and God, that uh, you will help us to obey the commands that are given to us. It's In Christ's name we pray, Amen. amen. Please be seated. Amen. Good morning. How is everybody doing? Excellent, excellent. It's good to see you guys this morning. You sound great. always love to worship together. Uh, if you're new with us today, we just want to welcome you, and inside the bulletin this morning, there is a section where you can fill out some information for us, and you can fill out your name, your email address, uh, or your address, whatever you're comfortable with, and then drop that off in our offering plate a little later in the service, that would be great, that would be great. That'd be great. So I just want to say up front from the very beginning that uh, never ever again will I ever pray for a football team. Um, you know, I, I said after last Sunday night, about uh, ten o'clock, I, I told Rob and my wife, I said, <clears throat> the people at church are going to think that God does not hear my prayers. <laughs> uh, so I'm done praying for those things. Okay, um, so I just want to let you do that know up front, and I uh, just again welcome you guys here uh, this morning. Uh, we're kicking off a, a brand new series today, and I'm excited. It's entitled "Pray for One." And uh, this idea of praying for one, and we'll, we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. But I want to start off by saying that this Tuesday, uh, guys, if you did not know, is Valentine's Day. How many of you guys remembered Valentine's Day is this Tuesday, right? Thought I would help you out a little bit and let you know that this Tuesday is Valentine's Day. How many of you really actually remembered it or you were just raising your hand because you're sitting beside your wife? Yeah, yeah, some of you are honest, right? Uh, how many of you are like really prepared and you've got your cards or candy uh, for your spouse or uh, girlfriend, which I'm not saying spouse and girlfriend, I'm saying your spouse or if you're not married, your girlfriend, right? How many of you have done that already? Yeah? Uh, excellent, man. You guys are good. You guys are good. Um, I tell you, Valentine's Day is a day about love, right? It's a day about romance. Um, it's the day that we express our love to our wife or if we're not married, our girlfriend. Um, and so, you know, <clears throat> it's the day that we exchange cards and candy and gifts and flowers. And it's, it's a fun, fun day and we usually spend uh, money that we don't have for it. Um, but here, here's the thing, I don't know if anyone here is familiar with the late night show host, Jimmy Fallon. How many of you guys know Jimmy Fallon? Anybody watch Jimmy Fallon, right? Sometimes you gotta stay up late to watch Jimmy Fallon, uh, unless you DVR it. But Jimmy Fallon has a segment on his uh, late night show called Hashtags. You guys familiar with that, Hashtags? All right? So so he does this thing, it's Hashtags, and then he says, you know, whatever it is. So what I thought I would do this morning is share with you uh, my Hashtag Valentine's Day fail. All right? My Valentine's Day fail, Hashtag Valentine's Day fail. So, so here's the deal, I was, uh, I was in the sixth grade, and I had a girlfriend, I know it's hard to believe, but I was in the sixth grade, had a girlfriend, her name was Amy Cook. All right, now listen, when you're in the sixth grade, uh, the expectation on Valentine's Day uh, is very low, right? I mean, listen, the gifts, they're not expecting any type of big gift, uh, most of the time you're filling out those little cards that you give at school, you know, that have on it Be My Valentine with like a little heart Valentine candy on it. Uh, you know, kind of silly, mushy stuff like that. But for me, this Valentine's Day uh, was different, right? Things changed for me drastically that morning in sixth grade, Miss McCain's class, uh, when who I, my, my best friend Bob Jackson was in that class as well. Uh, and his older sister, who was an eighth grader, uh, came into our class holding a dozen red roses. And she had gotten red roses for her brother, Bob. And of course, Bob is all embarrassed. His face turns red. He sinks down into his seat because who wants to get flowers from your sister, right? I mean, come on, especially when you're in sixth grade. Nobody wants to do that. And so he was embarrassed, and he he kind of sunk down in his seat. And um, I thought it was great. I was laughing. I thought it was funny. It was great. Uh, but at lunchtime, Bob had what I thought was just an absolute brilliant idea. He said, "Hey Hoback, <clears throat> I don't want these flowers." So why don't you take them and give them to Amy? I was like, dude, that is the best idea that I've ever heard in my life, right? I mean, I'm in sixth grade. You know, I have nothing, right? I have one of those cards that says, be my Valentine. And I was like, this is awesome. So at lunchtime, he gives me the roses, and I'm walking down the hallway towards the cafeteria with the dozen roses in my hand, feeling like I am the man because everybody was looking in awe, and of course, all the girls were like, man, are those flowers for me? like, no, 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 they're not for you. And, uh, and I, remember, I remember I walked into the cafeteria, and I spotted Amy eating lunch, right? And I, mean, I was strutting. I was strutting over the table. I had, I had a dozen red roses in my hand. And I walked over to the table like the smooth grade kid that I was, right? And I, I leaned over to the table, and I said, happy Valentine's Day, Amy. And all of her friends were like, ooh, you know, and they were like, oh, he's so romantic and sweet, Right, and that was just, I mean, that was, that was awesome. It was great. And that lasted for about three hours. About three hours until she discovered that the flowers weren't purchased by me, but rather they were purchased by Bob's sister, and they were intended for Bob. And, of course, Bob and I were like, so? <laughs> it was a big deal, right? But she didn't see it that way, and that is my hashtag Valentine's Day fail. And uh, she proceeded to break up with me on Valentine's Day. Yeah, I know. I know. My heart was broken. Uh, It scarred me for a long time. Uh, I struggled with Valentine's Day for many years after that, Uh, but I have recovered since. But, you know, the good news, I share that with you this morning because the good news for us is this, that God's love for us is perfect and never fails. Amen? Amen. You know, John, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, he writes the Gospel of John, and he also writes several little letters called 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But John refers to himself in his Gospel as the one that Jesus loved. And in 1st John 4, 7, he writes these words. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And what John is saying there is he is saying that God is love, that God is the source of love, it's in His nature, it's in His character. And the beautiful thing about God's love is that he doesn't just say, "Hey, I love you," right? But God expresses his love for us. He, he, he showed His love for us. You see, you and I were created for God or by God, for a purpose. We were created to have a relationship with God. You're not here by accident. You are not a mishap. You're not a mistake. You're not an oops. You're not any of those things. But God made you with intent. He made you with purpose. He is creator God, and he does not make any mistakes. We used to have a shirt that we made in vacation Bible school when I was little, and maybe if you've been around church for a long time, you've seen these shirts, because um, they were popular back in the day. But on the shirt it says, you know, God does not make junk. You know, and then you would wear the shirt. And, and that's the point, right? God is creator God who makes good things. He, does not, he, he has created us with a purpose, and that purpose is to be in relationship with God. But because of sin, right, and sin is is, is simply described as missing the mark, it's disobedience. And the Bible makes it very clear in the book of Romans 3.23 that that every single person on this planet has sinned, that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so God is our creator, right? He has given us life. God is the author of life. And so the scripture talks about how sin is death. So sin came in, and we are all sinners, and so sin brings death. God is the author of life. He gives life, but sin is the complete opposite. It gives us death. And so because of our sin, the Bible says that we've been separated from our creator, God, and that God cannot be in the presence of sin because God is holy, and he is righteous, and he is perfect. But the rest of the Bible, man, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, is uh, is, is an amazing one big love story about how how God expresses His love towards us and how He pursues us. You know, you you look at these movies that we watch on uh, TV or in the theater, these love story movies, these romantic new movies that we we just kind of eat them up a little bit. And and we all know how the plot of those movies goes, right? You get a a, a man and a woman who fall in love with each other and everything's going great for a small period of time. And then one of them does something, usually the man does something to mess things up, right? And they break up. Right? And then the rest of the movie is about the man pursuing after the woman or vice versa, right? Where do you think they got that plot from? Right? It's in the front of the Bible. That's how the Bible plays out, right? God created us for relationship with Him, He created us for purpose. But man, we mess that up. We sinned. We turned our back on God. We said, God, we know better than you do. And so our sin separates us from God, and the rest of the Bible is about God pursuing after us for relationship. I love Psalm 23. It's a very familiar psalm. Even if you did not grow up in church, uh, many people know this psalm. And the last verse of that psalm, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. But in the actual Hebrew, that last line says, God will chase after me all the days of my life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That God is chasing after us. He is pursuing after us. The same John who wrote 1 John 4-7 writes this in the Gospel of John, John 3-16, For God so loved the world that he sent. That he sent Jesus into the world. Jesus comes in the flesh. He, he, He lived a life that we could not live. He lived perfectly. He obeyed perfectly. And then he died a death that we were supposed to die as a payment for Our sins against God. And then Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death and sin. And now Jesus gives us life. See, God makes his love known, he expresses his love. His love is unfailing. I love how when you read through the book of Psalms, sometimes it describes God's love as steadfast. Isn't that a great word? God's love is steadfast. And so I don't know, man, maybe you're here this morning and you've had a bad week, or maybe you're here and you've had a rough month, or maybe you're having a rough year, or maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, there's absolutely no way that God could ever love me like that, or he could forgive me for what I've done. And I just want you to know that the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus Christ, God's love has been made visible and our sins can be forgiven, and our relationship that we were created for can be restored with God. See, you, you and I, we were created to be a part of the family of God. And we were created to be a part of the family business of making uh, him known to every human being. Listen, that's our purpose here at Chester Christian Church. It's on the wall out front. It's in your program this morning. And in the very opening line of that purpose is what? We are here to make much of Jesus. That's our sole purpose. We want to make much of Jesus in everything that we do. He, not just here at church. We want to make much of Jesus in our home. We want to make much of Jesus in our workplace, in our neighborhoods. And then we want to reach people with the gospel and disciple people in the gospel. We want to equip people to share the gospel. That's our purpose. See, Jesus changes everything. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says that we are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come, right? He changes us from the inside out. He gives us a new life, a new identity, He gives us a new purpose. And when we understand what God has done for us through His expression of love, through Jesus Christ, uh, that we've been adopted by Jesus into the family, then you begin to grow in your understanding of who God is and and who you are, and you begin to grow and flourish into into Christ. You'll do anything for that. You know Jesus tells a, a parable in the Gospels about a man who found a treasure in a field, and he, he described this uh, treasure as like the kingdom of God. And he said this man found this treasure, and he dug it up, and he found it, and then he, he goes and reburies it, and he goes and he sells everything that he has, and then he goes out and buys that field where the treasure is at. God says it's, it's like Jesus says That's what the kingdom of heaven is like; That's what the kingdom of God is like. That when you when you realize what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, when the gospel gets from your head to your heart, and He begins to change you from the inside out, and you see how God has expressed His love for you through Jesus Christ, that changes you, and you are willing to do anything. You're willing to sacrifice everything because of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. It changes the way we think. You realize that you are not defined by by what you do or what others say. You realize that your self-worth and your self-value doesn't come from what others think or how you look, but it comes from the fact that you are, as John writes, a beloved child of God. And not only do you discover who you are, but then you discover what you were created for, that God gives us purpose in our life. We haven't just been saved from our sin to come to church every Sunday and, and worship together. We've been saved from our sin. We've been saved from something for something. God gives us purpose. We, we become participants in the, fa- in the family business. Right? Jesus, if he had a mission statement, it would, it would come from John, uh, Luke 19, verse 10, and where he tells people, he says, I, did not, uh, come, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus' mission. That was his heart. That was the heart of God, to send Jesus into this world, to to restore, to reconcile us back to him. So when we give our life to him, we become a part of the family, and we participate in the family business, and we join God in his mission of helping people know and grow in God. And that's what this sermon series, Pray for One, is all about. It's about sharing God's love with other people, it's, it's waking up each day and, and saying one simple prayer. And we're going to put it on the screen, but I just want to encourage you to say one simple prayer. It says, Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. Now, now here's the deal, I want to make this as simple as possible, I want to complicate this at all, okay? But, but every single one of us has one person, I hope you have one person that you know that is far from God. If you don't, then I want to encourage you to get out and meet some people, because they're all around us. But we all know somebody, at least one person that we know that is far from God. So I, I want to encourage you, may just pray this prayer, Lord give me one person today to whom I can share your love. But I don't want you to get so like caught up and in, in it. it's just got to be this one. Like, so if I'm praying for, for Jeff, yeah, he's my one. Which Jeff, Jeff is up here. He knows Jesus. He, he's close to God. But I'm just using him as an example. I pray for Jeff, but, but maybe I don't see Jeff that day. So, so the point is, Lord, give me one person, one person who I can show your love to today. One person, any person, any person. I want to show your love today, right? So let's say it together. You guys want to say it with me? No, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Lord. Absolutely. You know, one day Jesus was being questioned by some religious leaders and a lawyer, which was an expert in the law, uh, the Old Testament, uh, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he's an expert in the law, and he asked Jesus, hey, out of all the laws, of all the commands, which is the most important? And there were 613 some odd commands, okay, in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, um, and Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, love God first and then love others, right? As you love God, loving others will flow from that. Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. And my prayer for us is this, man. My prayer is that this isn't just a little catchy series that, that we do for the next four to five weeks and then we kind of push it off to the side. I want you to understand that this, this idea, this one simple prayer, falls right in line with our purpose here at Chester Christian Church. Right? Because our purpose, again, is making much of Jesus reaching people and so what we're saying is is lord give me one person today how can i make much of you today and how how, give me one person i can share that can reach with your love all right god wants to to use you to reach someone with the gospel lord give me one person today to whom i can share your love Jesus also said in John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34, uh, he writes these words. He says, a new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So Jesus says, a new command I give you. Now, someone might say, well, I already love, so how can that be a new command? But what we need to understand is is that Jesus' love is different. Because oftentimes, the love that we show people, it has limits, or has conditions, it has stipulations. We will love someone as long as that love is being reciprocated, right? But I want you to notice what Jesus says. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. See, Jesus' love is limitless. It is without conditions, it is without end. Uh, The Bible says that while we were still enemies, That God expressed his love to us through Jesus Christ and that he died for us while we were still enemies of God. And so this new commandment, what it does for us is it creates a new paradigm. It creates a new model for us. And that new model is Jesus. Jesus is our model. The greatness of Jesus' love, when when we look at Jesus and see how he has expressed his love for us and towards us, that is what motivates us. Right, it's finding that treasure. When you find that treasure and you realize, oh my goodness, this is what God has done for me, you are willing to sacrifice and sell everything you have for what He has done. He is our motivation, He is our model for loving others. And so the idea is, is that as you are receiving God's love in, then you are also giving God's love out, that you are sending it out. God's love in, God's love out. His love is meant to be shared, it's limitless, there's no end. He continuously pours into us, right, as we, and as we grow, and as we flourish in our walk with Jesus, then it goes out and it touches other people. Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. Now, you may be sitting here this morning, you may be thinking, but Aaron, man, you, you just look around the world, look at all the problems, look at all the, the brokenness, look at all the crime, look at all the poverty, uh, man, you may feel like this is overwhelming, you may think, man, I'm just one person, what can I really do? It's kind of like, you know, the, the, the to-do list that we have. You ever look at your to-do list and you just, you like, you look at all the things that you've got to do and then you get overwhelmed, right? You're like, man, this is all the stuff I've got to do and so you don't do anything, right? You just kind of go back to doing nothing, right? Because you're like, this is too much, right? It's kind of like, you know, so you can you look at all the world's problems, you can look at everything around us, you can look at all the brokenness, you can get discouraged, you can get overwhelmed, you can think, man, this is so much, what could I possibly do? What can I possibly do? Or maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years, and this is a danger for a lot of us who have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, that you can see the things that are happening in our world, that you can kind of uh, see the brokenness and the crime and the poverty, and you can just kind of become cynical to it. Right? You've gotten to the point in your life that you're not even willing to try. You're like, what's the point? But I, illust- I want to show you that Jesus illustrates for us the value of one. There's value in one. And in Luke 15, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. <clears throat> Luke 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke is the third gospel. Uh, Luke 15, if you don't have a Bible, you can uh, turn to it uh, on your mobile device. If you don't have uh, the you version, Y-O-U version on your Bible, uh, it's, a, it's a great little app that you can use. I would encourage you to do that. There are lots of you that are on that, and it's good to see you in the Bible, in the Word of God. Uh, But if you don't have one of those, then you can share with your neighbor beside you. Unless you have the Bible memorized, and then there you go, right? You know know where I'm at. Uh, But Luke 15, uh, Jesus shares a series of three parables, and we're going to look at the first two. uh, The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And uh, I just want you to see, man, that Jesus illustrates for us the value of one in these parables. And so let's start in verse 1. Uh, Jesus says these words. Uh, now, the tax, or this is what Luke says. This is what Luke writes. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So let's stop for a second and chat, okay? First, I want you to notice the audience that Jesus is teaching. Right, the first group of people in the crowd is the tax collectors and sinners. Now, the tax collectors in Jesus' day, first century world, were hated and despised. Uh, they worked for the enemy, which was the Roman government, and they abused their power by cheating people, and they took more money than they were supposed to. That's how they got wealthy. Right? If you're familiar with the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he tells Jesus, I'm willing to give back four times, right? Because he had gotten wealthy, cheating people. Right? So that's, that's the tax collectors. And then you got sinners. Now, the sinners, of course, were the rejects. The sinners were the ones, their whole life, they've been told that they're not worthy. Their whole life, they've been told that they have absolutely no value. They they were pushed to the margins of society. And then the other group, the Pharisees and religious leaders, right, they were the complete opposite. They were the ones who were telling the tax collectors and the sinners that you're not worthy, that you have no value Right, they're the ones who thought that they were the more valuable than the sinners. They thought that God was just happy to have them on their team, right? They were the ones who were righteous and perfect and good, and they obeyed the law, and they were the morally elite, right? They were the varsity-level type of Christians. And so then Jesus continues, and he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Right? So, so Jesus is saying that, that the sheep has wandered off it is lost. And for a shepherd in the first century world, this is a big deal because this was his livelihood. Right. He essentially lived with his sheep. And this is important that he finds it, right? And this shepherd has no idea if the sheep is still alive. He has no idea. I mean, this sheep could have been mangled and torn apart by some wild animals. He has no idea. But I want you to notice what what the shepherd does. He doesn't just sit back and just say, well, I I sure hope he shows up. I hope he wanders back. No, he takes the initiative, doesn't he? He takes the initiative and he, he goes after the sheep. He's willing to, to leave the 99, right? And that 99, he, he's he's kind of throwing a, a, a kind of a a thing at the Pharisees and religious leaders, right? Because they're the ones who are righteous, right? He's willing to leave the one over the 99 persons who need no repentance to go and search for the one, right? So, so Jesus shows us the value of one. And then he goes on, he says, Well, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, man, Jesus is, is, is showing us the value of one, right? The coin represents a day's wage. And this woman obviously was a very wealthy woman because she had ten coins. And what's, uh, what's losing one day's wage going to matter to this woman? But, but, but see, Jesus shows us the value of the one coin. Right? Again, she doesn't just sit back, right? She, she takes the initiative and she is willing to turn her house upside down. I mean, she's searching through couch cushions for the one coin. What is Jesus saying in these two parables? Well, I want you to imagine for a second that you are a tax collector, that you are a sinner, and you are in that crowd that day. And your whole life you have been told that you're a nobody, that you have no value, that you're not worthy. And as Jesus is telling these stories about the value of one, you can almost see their hearts melting right before his eyes, right? The value of one, that you are so, that you are so valuable that Jesus was willing to leave heaven and come to earth so that we might be restored back to God. And then he adds, there is much joy In celebration in heaven, when one sinner repents and turns to God, that the angels and God and all of heaven rejoice. They have a party over one. I mean, that's the value of one. That's the value of one. Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. Take a look at this video.
1: I was praying for my one and didn't even know I was praying for my one. It started uh, after um, our second miscarriage and our third child that we lost. And so I prayed for a son and and I prayed um, for us to, to, to have this child. And the next pregnancy, which actually was months, within a few months, My son was, uh, we was pregnant with my son. And when he was born, I was in Iraq. Believe it or not, I was on my way going to a a raid on a house and my wife told me our son had a cyst on his brain. And it was too much for me to even comprehend. And I prayed for my one. And the next time I talked to her, um, they found no evidence of any cysts or anything on his brain. The next time I prayed for my one, I wanted to see my son before I died. And I asked God in Iraq just to see him. And I saw him, he was four months old. And I held him for the first time for two weeks. And the next time I saw him, he was one years old and walking. The next time I seriously for my one is when he broke his arm and when he fell and broke his arm I was filled with so much rage and everything in me wanted to just blame my wife for not watching him that I begged God over and over and over and over to help me and that night we took my son to the hospital and I grabbed my pocket Bible and as I read and read I knew that I had to give my son to God because two days later I was going to Iraq. I gave my son to God and I prayed for God to keep my son and my wife because I could not worry about them and do my job. Praying for my one, I always prayed for my son to come to know Christ early. And one day we was talking, and I said, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired of getting your stuff taken away from you, that you'll get right. You can't do it by yourself. That you can only do it with Christ's help. And he told me he was sick and tired. And I said, for real? I said, you serious? Then I started praying, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And I said, you serious? I said, when do you want to do it? He said, now. And so on June 29th, I believe it was 215, under God's creation, he accepted Christ as his Lord. And I held them, I hugged them as hard as I could without breaking them. Let me tell you about the day I had the opportunity to baptize my son into the kingdom of God. And that was the greatest honor and privilege, that uh, God could bestow upon me as, as my son and father, and as a man of God, a man of faith, and, and to build a legacy, um, an inheritance um, built on Christ Jesus. Here's my one, and he looks just like me. Who is your one?
0: I love, I could watch uh, when, when Dexter Jr., you come up out of that water, man. I, I love your face. I, I could watch that. that. warms my heart, man. I could watch that all day long. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. So, you know, you watched Dexter and his one uh, was his son. And, uh, you know, now he, he's got a new one that he's praying for. And so your one may be, may be a, a child. It may be a son. It may be a daughter. Maybe, it, maybe it's a, a son or a daughter who is wayward, who is far from God. It may be a neighbor. It could be a co-worker. Um, you, you've got your one. But I want you to imagine the difference it would make if every single one of us prayed this prayer every day. Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. And then we walked out of our front door. And we were on mission with God. You know, it, it's interesting because I can tell you that there are numerous times where I have prayed this, you know, in the morning, first thing. God, you know, give, give me give me somebody. Give me give me anybody I can to, to share your love with. And in those days that I pray that prayer, um, I see how God works. I see how God moves. And I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I've been prepared to do something, whether it be pray for someone or, or, or just listen to someone or encourage someone. Uh, to however it has been to plant a seed. But there also have been times that I can, you know, I can, numerous times that I didn't pray this, that I wasn't prepared, and I've been in a situation to where I've walked out of that situation, and then i realized, wait a minute, I just missed an opportunity. Anybody relate to that? Right? You've been like, man, I had an opportunity, and I missed it because I was not prepared. I'm telling you, man, if we will wake up every single day and pray this prayer Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. It's going to make a difference in your life. You know why? Because praying for one moves our prayers from protection or promotion or prosperity, right? Sometimes, you know how we do? We we, we bring our long laundry list of of needs, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'm not not criticizing. I'm just saying that we tend to, to go to God in prayer, and we tend to say, God, this is what I need. Yeah, I pray that you will bless me and protect me, right? We, we kind of bring our laundry list to God. And when we pray for one, when we commit to praying for one, what it does is it takes the focus off of me, right? Listen, when I'm focused on me, that's, that's sinful. That's, that's my sin coming through. And what we say is, God, what I really want is for you to show me one person, any person today to whom I can share your love. And when we commit to praying this prayer every day, listen to me, we are aligning our hearts with the heart of God. This is God's heart right here. This is why he sent Jesus into the world. His desire is to give life, the abundant life, right? We begin to move beyond our own concern to the spiritual, physical, and emotional, and relational needs of others. And the benefit of us, uh, this simple prayer, listen to me, the this, this benefit of this simple prayer, man, as you pray this prayer, it's going to help you grow, right? Because it's going to become less of you and more of Christ in you, and you're going to grow, and you're going to flourish. I guarantee you that if you pray this prayer, guaranteed, okay? Money back if this doesn't happen, I promise, all right? If you pray this prayer, God will answer your prayer 100% of the time you wake up in the morning and you say, God, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. Guarantee you, he will answer that prayer that day. Guarantee it. I'm willing to bet that most of us are here this morning because someone prayed for you. Yeah. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. And now we need to pray the same thing. Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love with. Several years ago, my one was my dad, and my dad walked away from the church, and he walked away from the Lord at the age of 13, and I remember for years that I would try to talk to, to my dad about Jesus, and I would try to talk to him about coming to church, and for years, I would always get the same answer, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this or not, but when you try to talk to family members, it's an extremely difficult thing to do, and uh, you know, my dad, he, uh, he was far from God, and um and every time that I would talk to him about this, it really, to be honest with you, I didn't really start talking to my dad about this until I was in my early 20s because that's when, when God really captured my heart. That's when I really saw the treasure in the field, right, that I was willing to dig it up, you know, re it and sell everything. And that, that's when I really, when God captured my heart, when the gospel moved from my head to my heart. And I began to, 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 to see, hey, my, my, my dad is far from God, and, and he is lost, and so I need to, to pray for him and share with him. And so I began doing that. And I remember having conversations with him, and I'd always get the same answer. He'd always say, man, I'm a good person. I've lived a good life. That was always his response. And or he would say, man, if I came to church, the roof would fall in, which didn't make any sense because I'm like, if you lived a good life and you're a good person, then why would the roof cave in? Well, they, I'm like, so what? You know, we'll let you go in first, and if the roof caves in, then we want a new building anyway, right? So I'd always joke and kill with him about that, but, but I can remember praying specifically. I was like, God, just soften his heart. God, just, just help him to be receptive to the gospel, to your word. And, and, and I just said, God, just help me to just continue to, give, to be bold and, and to talk with him. And when he was 68 years old, my dad suffered a stroke that left him with limited mobility. And that changed his life because I'm telling you when you have a near death experience and your mortality is facing you in, you know in the eyes, you begin to rethink some things you you begin to realize wait i'm not Superman, right And I think this was God answering my prayer that that God had softened his heart over a period of time, and so i'll never forget it was um i was we were living here in Chester, and I was having to go back to Knoxville, Tennessee, to finish up my master 's work. And, uh, and it was '09, And I remember driving through my hometown of, of Dublin, Pulaski, Virginia, and I told my dad, I said, I'm stopping by for a few minutes. And I sat down with him, and, um, and I said, Dad, I said, I'm just going to lay it out to you just like this. It's this very simple. I-, I laid out the gospel message as simply as I could. And um, I said, you know, the ball's going to court. I said, you know, I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. I'm coming back through. I said, when I do, I'll stop. If you have any questions, we'll talk, whatever you need to do. Well, I came back through, man, and, and he had a few questions, and I can't remember what all of those, those questions were. Um, one of the questions was, do I have to stop smoking? My dad had been smoking since he was like 13. And and and, and what saddens me about that is, is that somebody had told him that, you you know, you can't smoke and be a part of the church or whatever, and that's why he walked away from God. I'm like, my, my dad almost went to hell because somebody said that to him. That saddened me. And I said, no, Dad, you know. Yeah, don't worry about that and he accepted the Lord Jesus and and I was able to baptize my dad into Christ and so he was my one and then it was two years later that he died and he went to go be with Jesus and it was an awesome thing I think about Pat Snyder who was in my home church uh, growing up and she prayed for her husband every single day man she was persistent she was that persistent person who kept knocking on the door knocking on the door she prayed every single day Lord give me one and her one was her husband And after 40 years of praying, two years before she died and went to go be with Jesus, two years before that, her husband Ronnie accepted Christ. That's what this series Pray For One is all about. It's about praying for that one. I love what Henry Blackaby says. If you've never read Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God book, uh, he writes in there, he says that God is always at work around you. We just need to open our eyes and join him in the work. Listen, man, God is always working. He's working whether it be in your house, in your neighborhood, at work, at the coffee shop, at the K. Rogers or Wegman's or whatever you do your shopping at hey, God is constantly working. And we just need to open our eyes and see God at work. Lord, give me one person, any person, today to show to whom I can share your love. I said, "Listen, you know, it could be something as simple as just praying for someone." A couple of weeks ago, it's been a couple of months ago now. Uh, me and my, my oldest son Jude were across the street at our neighbor's house, and she was going through a very difficult time. And I just simply said, "Can can can we pray for you?" Seed was planted. And I've talked with her for for a long time, anyways. But but just just encouraging someone, or maybe it's helping a neighbor, or maybe it's listening to people. Listen, people love to talk about themselves. Just have a conversation with somebody. Ask them questions. Get them talking and just be a good listener. Encourage them. We just got to keep our eyes open and look. Look and see where God is working. So here's, here's what we're going to do in the next few minutes. Uh, the band is going to lead us in a response song. And on your seat or around your seat, you should see a card uh, that looks like this. Um, it's called Pray for One. And, and here's what I want you to do. Over the next couple of minutes, I want you to think of the one person that you can write on this card. First name. And I want you to take it home with you. And I want you to stick it somewhere where you're going to be reminded every single day Lord, give me one person today to whom I can share your love. For me, that's Brian. It's a neighbor of mine. And I've been praying. That, that God would draw him to the cross, that God would soften his heart. And we've been having some, some good conversations lately, and, and my prayer is that he's going to accept the Lord Jesus uh, soon. But I'm going to be praying for Brian. So who, who is your one that you can write on this? And then, and then what I want to ask you to do is this. If you're comfortable with it, uh, as you sing the song, uh, we've got two chalkboards in the room, one over here, one back here in the back, with chalk on the floor. I want to encourage you to write that first name on that chalkboard because what we're going to do as a church is we're going to commit to praying over those names every single week during this series. Say, God, we just want you to draw these people to you. We want you to soften their hearts. We want you to use Chester Christian to share your love with them. And if you're comfortable with that, I want to encourage you to do that as we sing the song. We're also going to have some some members of our prayer team up here. If you're struggling, if you're going through a difficult time, you just need prayer. We want to pray for you. I'll be up here, and I would love to pray with you. I would love to tell, talk to you more about what it means to follow Jesus. So let's do that together as we sing this next song. Would you stand?